All right. Dude, that's dope. You have a space, a studio space in the pizzeria? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so we have the whole building. Yeah. Um, but it's, so it's a pretty good sized building, but it's literally, the building itself is over 100 years old. So, I mean, it's like, it's by no means like a, you know, a luxurious space, but I've kind of tr tricked this room that's like way back corner room out. Yeah. Uh, and put my speakers and stuff in here. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool space. See, it all, t it all ties in. Yeah, the music yeah, it sure does. ties in with the pizzeria. <laughs> hey, welcome to Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and this podcast is a collection of interviews with people of different disciplines, ranging from creativity, business, and lifestyle. By diving into my guest's story and learning about how they approach their craft, I hope that these conversations help you find different ways to improve your own. Enjoy. Okay, hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and for this interview, I'm joined by a very talented singer-songwriter, John Paul Wallace. What's up, JP? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to do this. Um, so just a little background, John Paul and I met last, was it last year? Yeah, last August, August of 2019. August of 2019, so over a year now. Um, I'm a part of Dogtown Studios, and we record bands in the Grand Rapids area with my friend Robbie and we did a live session with John Paul Wallace and his band and um yeah how how did you feel about that experience that was awesome man i mean you guys are unbelievably professional and organized with it and it was uh it was it's very unique to anything i've ever done before yeah it, you know we were just kind of starting out at that point i mean we we typically record in the studio but yours was kind of cool. We took it outside. We took it remote and recorded in a bunch of different spots. Like we did like this yeah. parking lot. Had you go in the water? Yeah. I <laughs> walked pretty much underwater almost. Yeah. It was really cool. It was cool. It was yeah. very more ar artistic than uh, anything I've ever done, especially to do it as a live performance kind of way that we did. It was, it was cool. Yeah. So definitely check that out at Dogtown Studios. Um, you'll be able to check out that performance. Um, and we'll we'll definitely get into more about music, but in addition to that, I'm I'm actually learning that you're a pretty diverse individual. Um, <laughs> usually, before we schedule an interview, I try to get an idea of what I want to talk about with you, just so we're not going into it and just winging it. Um, right. I like being a little bit more organized in that sense. So when we started talking about what kind of things we could talk about, I knew music we had in the bag. We could definitely. <laughs> have a conversation about that discipline but i was interested to see if there was anything else so i was like what else you got and uh can you share <laughs> about what other interests that you're involved in from school and work that you do yeah so uh in addition to like i've been pursuing music full-time for pretty much since i was in high school like since i was a senior in high school i've really been pushing myself to you know grow as a writer and release music and play out and all that stuff um but I also graduated uh, from Oakland University. I graduated with a degree in finance and marketing, a double major. So yeah, I'm a, wow. I like, I want to know, I kind of, kind of wanted to amplify my business sense, I guess, if, you know, to be in the music industry, it kind of helps if you can understand the way a business works a little better. So that was the main reason I wanted to go to school and kind of get that background of education. Sure. Uh, and then also my family owns a small town pizza and ice cream shop 
and it's a town called Hadley, Michigan. It's like a super small town. It's literally one stoplight, but oh, we wow. got the best pizza. We always say it's the best pizza in town because we're the only pizza in town. <laughs> but if it really is, though, I promise, like, it, it's good stuff. Are but, you really so, the only pizza shop in town? Yeah, we literally. So Hadley as a town is like when I say it's one stoplight, it's one intersection. It's we call it the four corners because it's literally just one thing. And there's like maybe ten like businesses, including like a dollar store, a general store, like a little barber shop, like in a auto repair shop, post office. Like it's not much. So we're the only food place. It technically in the town of Hadley because it's so small. Wow, that's crazy. You've monopolized yeah. food. We, we really did, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, the next closest pizza shop is like, I want to say it's like seven miles away, something like that in the next town over. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, you see what I mean? There's layers to this, folks. I mean, <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, okay, now we're talking. We got, <laughs> we got music, financial spreadsheets, and pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. We might be onto something here. It's like the holy trinity of John. I know. Paul. Like I, I have no <laughs> idea what those things have in common, but we're about to find out. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. So okay, so let's just get started with the obvious topic, music. Um, can you share a little bit about the type of music that you do and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, so I I mean I, I consider myself contemporary pop, like top forty, just because it's such an all encompassing genre and it's the easiest answer to that question. But mm -hmm. I really I do a lot of I do mostly like piano based music because I'm I play keys and uh but it's it's very much I would say like Sean Mendez, a little bit of like chain smokers y uh meets maybe like a hint of Bruno Mars okay. and some John Mayer sprinkled in there, I would say if I had to describe it in a way. So it's kinda all over the map. I have a lot of different influences, but yeah, it all kind of falls under that like modern top forty genre. Gotcha. Are are those your main influences or are there other yeah, I would artists. say um, Sean Mendes is a huge influence of mine. Honestly, mm -hmm. Billie Eilish is a really big, and her brother Phineas, uh, they just released a new song that I've been bumping all morning. But uh, I, they they are a huge influence of mine uh, just because they really push the boundaries uh, of pop music, which is inspiring to me. Um, but I also have a lot of older influences. Like I, I love Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. uh, who's a Detroit legend. And then uh, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, too. So my honestly, my influences kind of range from everything. I think I, I take something from everything I listen to. Yeah. Uh, but as far as just like my style goes and my sound, it kind of hovers around a lot of like Sean Mendez and John Mayer and stuff like that. Gotcha. And do you produce your own music as well? Or do you have like a Phineas kind of counterpart to you? <laughs> Uh, I don't have like a like a like one person that I do everything with, but yeah. I do. You don't have a Ryan Lewis? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But uh, no, but I I've been. That's actually my quarantine project has been since like everything shut down in April or yeah. March was for me to really I really been learning uh how to use Logic Pro and how to you know start creating my own sound on my own, yeah. which has been a really fun and challenging uh, adventure, especially now that I'm done with school and stuff. It's like really pushing my brain every single day uh, on that, which is nice. But uh, I've I've co-produced like my my latest song, uh, One Day, is just a piano ballad. And I, I played and recorded all the piano and all the vocals myself because mm -hmm. uh, it was all during quarantine. And then I just sent it off to somebody to help me mix it. But uh, before that, I had two singles, uh, Atlantis and Out of Time. In both of those, I have uh, co-producing credits. 
Gotcha. Did it start with piano or which came first, singing or piano? Uh, singing came first. I my, my So my older sister is a singer. And mm-hmm. uh, in, so she, I've been like around her singing ever since I was really little. And somewhere around like first or second grade, I was like, yeah, no, I could do that better. And, uh, <laughs> and so then I started, uh, I started singing and that's, that's kind of always our joke is that's how I got started is because I just wanted to one up her, but, uh, wow. So it was a competitive but, so that, thing. Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, like we're always like, you know, we're always helping each other out any way we can and rooting for each other, obviously and yeah. sharing each other's stuff, but low key. Yeah. There's always that like competitive edge. Like, yeah, I could, I could have done that better. <laughs> so it's like a healthy competitive nature. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a friendly, friendly fire for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so I started singing around like first, second grade cause of her. And then I was kind of like half into it. It was more just like a hobby. And then I was taking voices my freshman year of high school and my voice teacher also taught piano, uh, like outside of our lessons. And I was like, hey, you know, what if we split these lessons and started doing a little bit of piano? And then once I learned piano, I was like, this is way cool. Like I can make a whole song by myself. Like mm. this is so much cooler. And then I fell in love with it and there's no turning back after that. And did you take that into when you went to like high school? Were you like a choir kid or, you know? A oh, yeah. Other? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was always I was always in choir, uh, and uh, yeah, I got really tight with with my choir teachers and stuff in middle school and high school. But uh, I didn't really like. I was in choir before I started learning piano, just because I liked singing and it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I started learning piano, that's when I really started to get more serious about like doing more performances and things like that. Just because I had I didn't have to like try to get it with other musicians or like try to figure out karaoke tracks to do songs because mm. I could do them on my own. So that was like when that opened the door for me for doing more like stuff on my own rather than more structured stuff like choir and things like that. Right. And and did it evolve from like covers to originals? How did that, when did you start getting more interested in actually writing your own stuff? Yeah. So we, so I started with just covers. Like I, every single day after school, I'd come home and just play all these cover songs and they were usually like older, like Beatles stuff. Cause they're all easy to play and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I would start with that, and then I, I, um, I would kind of write stuff here and there, and I wasn't really like passionate about writing as much. And then when I was fifteen, both my sister, my sister kind of drew into interest from this small um, independent label out of New York, and she they came out to watch her at a show, and I was like the warm up act for the show. Like I did fifteen minutes of covers. I wasn't even on the flyer. I was just like, it was my sister's show. So she let me like do a few songs just to warm it up. It was like one of my first times performing out. Yeah. But, uh, so they actually liked me too. And I was really young at the time and very undeveloped. Uh, but so we ended up both getting signed with the same, uh, label as separate artists uh, when I was 15. Yeah. So we, uh, we actually still work with them now, but they're the ones who really, so the label is a partnership between an attorney and a songwriter and that's they really started pushing me to like start writing and start experimenting more and like kind of growing that craft more and and so that was probably my it was my junior year of high school is when I kind of started dabbling in writing Mm -hmm. and then once I graduated high school it was like really started pushing myself to be a better writer and write a lot more and then once I started about two years ago I started messing with uh logic and the engineering aspect and then I I absolutely like dove into writing like i'm writing every you know every week and so yeah wow so you were signed at the age of 15 yeah 
Yeah, it's a so it was kind of a it's an artist development type of thing. So their goal was to kind of like take us, help us, you know, teach us the ins and outs of being a performer, a gotcha. better singer, a better player, you know, better writer and stuff. So, yeah. And you were saying you were at the time they liked you, but you were under underdeveloped. What does that mean as far as like what did you have to do to get developed per se? Yeah. So. Uh, that's a good question, actually. I, I personally feel like like my answer my answer is always like I'm still not ready, like I'm still underdeveloped sure, because I right. just feel like, you know, there's always more. But at that time, it was like the only skill I had was singing and playing piano. Like I, I didn't really know much about like how to market on social media. I didn't know anything about how to like write. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to record. I'd never really been in a studio uh, seriously. And so mm-hmm. I just didn't have any experience in anything outside of just singing and playing cover songs, um, which was, you know, fun. And I, I still sing and play cover songs all the time. But now it's kind of more about growing those other aspects uh, and stuff like that. So I think it was just the lack of experience in the all-encompassing thing that is the music industry. Gotcha. And what what type of steps did you have to take and what this label helped you um, grow into that? So the first step was writing, really. It was like, you know, because at that age, it was just like they were, they were I mean, obviously very fo- more focused on my sister because she was older, a lot more experienced, a lot more developed than I was. So yeah. for me, they were kind of just like, let's just let you, you know, keep growing, keep working on your craft and stuff. So the first step was writing and uh, they would just kind of push me like, just keep writing and then send it to us and keep writing and send it to us. So like I went through so many like half song ideas and stuff that I wrote in like the first few years, uh, once I really got into it that, and they were just like the worst songs you've ever heard. But, uh, the, he would, you know, he would critique and be like, you know, when you're writing lyrics, try to think of it this way. And, you know, and, and we still do that. I mean, I'm still like, I'm still growing as a writer and stuff, but it was really just, them kind of, I send them stuff and they, you know, kind of critique it and show me different ways to think about it and different approaches. Um, and then we would get in the studio with songs that, you know, that I had written with the songwriter or songs that he had written that he thought I would sound good on. And then he would kind of teach me how to, you know, properly record the recording process and, uh, you know, how to expand my horizons and get more creative in the studio and uh so that was a big thing and then it uh as i grew more and after i graduated high school and stuff uh we became more focused on like the live show and performing and how to be a better performer yeah um you know how to have a cool unique setup um that is more intriguing than just me playing piano by myself or if i am playing piano how to make it more intriguing you know so it's just like it's an everlasting world of improvement uh you know i mean you're never done but sure i definitely feel like between then and now i've i've had a ton of growth and i I owe a lot of it to them yeah well i mean it's definitely a good mindset to have to to be someone who's like i always could be get i always could get better you know i think someone who might start going i've made it is not gonna (laughs) go very far right well i was just gonna say in the music industry i mean it, it changes so fast that it's like what I was even like what the conversations we had had as far as like writing and releasing strategies back six years ago are already outdated because you know, the way things have changed with the way social media is now versus when it was then and how there's TikTok now there wasn't then, you know, like there it's, it's a never ending process of learning and adapting and growing. What are some examples could you think of right now? That's like even five years ago, a common practice that you would be doing that was working 
but not, might not work today in like a TikTok type of atmosphere. I'd say for me specifically, like I can't, I know a lot of artists do, but for me specifically, I don't find success anymore. Uh, or like engaging, like my more, my less engaging posts are mostly when I do straight up cover songs, like where it's just like just a piano cover straight up of the song. And there's really not too much else about it because now with TikTok, there it's so with TikTok and really every social media platform is it's so congested with talent and really good really singers and, yeah. and instrumentalists, you know? So now the stuff that at least for me, I find is more engaging is like writing remixes to popular songs and like doing, like making new arrangements that makes the covers different. And I think that's always been true. Um, but back like five or six years ago, all I did was post like straight up cover videos. It was just like right. me in my basement playing piano and it was just sounded just like the song and it worked a lot more than it does now where I think now this it's a lot more competitive and you kind of got to get out of the box a little bit more. I, I see what you're saying. It, it's like, it's almost like you have to, if it's a cover song, if your performance is some type of cover song, it has to be a different version of it. That's an interesting version of it. Exactly. Rather than the, the exact copy or cover. Right. Wow. That's crazy. So it seems like um, that development stage was more getting you the reps, the repetition. Exactly. That's the development. It's just the repetition of it and kind of like your workout. It's your gym. Yep. Yeah. And gotcha. that was what, that's what, like, honestly, that was the uh, analogy that they would always use is like, you know, like if you go to the gym every day, you're going to have huge biceps. Like if you do curls every day, you're going to have huge biceps. Like, and then if you write every day, you're going to start writing great songs. You know, if you sing every day, your voice is going to get really strong. It's no different. You know, that was, they use that now all the time when we were developing. Yeah. And when, at what point were you quote unquote ready? Like how long did that process Honestly, take where you were just like, okay, you're ready to like start going out there and putting stuff out? Yeah. So... I mean, like we had released a few songs in, uh, I want to say like 2016, just on SoundCloud and stuff. Uh, and they were songs that either I wrote or that I co-wrote. Um, it was, it was two singles. And, uh, at that point I thought I was ready. Like I was like, Oh, I got this now. Like yeah. this, this, you know, but looking back on it, like, I still feel like like, I still feel like the music I'm writing is better than anything I have put out, you know? So I, I don't know if there's like a definitive point mm -hmm. where I felt like I was ready, but there was definitely a point, I would say in 2018, where I really, really started pushing myself with songwriting. And it's about the same time I got into using uh, the recording software and, and setting up my home studio. Yeah. But I really started pushing myself with writing. And that's when I released... Um, that's when I started releasing more music on Spotify and Apple music and like the platforms, you know, the, um, the big platforms as, as they say, but, uh, yeah, I just really started pushing myself and, and I, I got more confident in my songwriting, which was a huge thing. Like I just didn't really have any confidence mm -hmm. and I would say, yeah, somewhere between like February and April, 2018 is when I started to hit my stride with songwriting. And then I started working on performing and things like that and just getting out there more. But I still feel like, I, I still feel like I haven't written my best song yet, but I still feel like every song I have that I'm writing now is better than I've written before. So Yeah, that's good. That That's definitely a good signal that you are improving, especially yeah. if you're, you know, if you're, you're getting more satisfied with the stuff that you keep writing, you know, the, the next one keeps getting better, which is, it's a good, 
good trend to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it natural? Are you performance wise? Is it a natural thing for you? Is it very? Does it come natural to you, or is it something that you had to work on? Um, like being on stage for me is comfortable. Like I, I don't usually like even in very uncomfortable settings where I don't feel like like I've been in some like open mics and stuff, and I, I just look at the crowd and I just know that my music's not going to go over well. You know, oh, like if it's yeah. like, you know, if it's like if it's obviously like a hard rock crowd, and I go in singing like my soft singer songwriter pop, like you kind of know going into it what you're getting into. But yeah, I I feel very comfortable on stage. I think for me, the biggest thing is performing is just how do I capture an audience as best I can in a short amount of time, you know? And so that for me, like it's mostly in the arrangements of the songs and how we perform them that didn't come naturally. But every time we play a show, you learn something and you're like, okay, this song was killer. And it was because of this part that the crowd, like this is where I drew people in and this is where people lost interest. So the learning process of just like trial and error did not come natural. Like to me, like I would start out playing a bunch of slow songs and I was like, this is going to be great. Like these songs really showcase my voice. And then I would go play them and like nobody would be paying attention because every song sounded the same and they're all just like really slow tunes, you know? And, uh, and so then like it was a learning curve and then I started incorporating a bunch of upbeat songs and then, uh, and then you just learn which kind of songs work and which don't in a live setting. And that's you know. super interesting how like a set list makes or breaks kind of how people interpret how good you are as an artist because it's almost like you have to trick them first before getting them on board (laughs) oh absolutely no you 100% do and like I like I think back like my favorite show I've ever played was literally like a 20 it was a 20 minute set for a battle of the bands at Oakland University and I think we ended up playing like 30 minutes just because whenever I get carried away on stage, I talk a lot between the songs and mm. I make a bunch of jokes that aren't funny, but, <laughs> okay. uh, but I, I kept getting too carried away, but I know like that we had played a bunch of different shows leading up to it. And uh, we scrapped a whole bunch of songs that were previously in our set list. Cause these just aren't like the crowds are not interested in these. And so since it was such a short set, I just put all our best songs in that set and I've never felt like, as connected to a crowd as I did on that show. And that was like, I was like, all right, I get it now. Like this is, this is what's working and that's what we got to keep moving forward with. So when you say best song, what do you mean by that? Like you just stacked it. You just stacked (laughs) your set basically. Yeah. So like when we're playing out, like, especially we do like some longer sets, you know, like we've done like three, four hours Mm -hmm. and as you're going along, you're, you can kind of gauge the crowd and like, when you do a song, you see like when they start like talking to them amongst themselves and like, you know, mm-hmm. which is obviously like that's when it's that long of a set. They're going to do that at some point. But you notice like which song everybody kind of like turns their head in and then starts moving to it. You know, like you and, you know, like there's certain songs that I've done um, where like when I hit a certain note or whatever, like it, it kind of like people look into it. And so I like make mental notes of that. Ah. And so I took basically all our best like out of all the songs that we had all the ones that the crowd is gets always uh, either where our fast songs, it's one that gets people moving and gets people engaged and gets mm-hmm. them clapping and singing along. Uh, and then when we slow it down, we really slow it down. And it's the ones that really draw people in with the emotion or whatever aspect of the song it is. But it's just basically any song that we'd had the best reactions to in shows prior that, and we just threw them all on one short set and yeah. uh, it worked out really well for us. That's a really cool skill to learn is to be observant while you're performing 
Because sometimes I, f- I feel like an artist, you know, you want to focus on your art and be as creative as possible. But also for you, you found it beneficial to, I don't know, you're multitasking there, right? Because you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're performing the song, you're performing to be an entertainer, and then you're also analyzing, okay, is this, oh, is that, oh, that note did it, mental note yeah. at yeah. the same time. So you could do it better next time. That's Absolutely. a skill on its own. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like that was like one of the things that took a lot of practice and a lot of shows to play out to where I could really start paying attention and understanding that. Yeah. But um, I think like when when I'm performing and if I have like if I'm finding success and I know the crowd's into it, like it's a different feeling inside of me. Like I perform better when people are responding well because I get more confident, you know. And so mm-hmm. that's part of it too. Is like I I know. I feel like I can gauge when it's uh, when it's going well, you know. And in the beginning, like I would mostly like I would gauge a performance based on how well I thought my vocals went. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like, oh, I nailed like I hit these notes great in the song. This song I didn't hit the notes very well. And then you kind of like have to change that. Like I had to change that mindset to look at more what the crowd's doing and how people are responding to it to gauge how well a song is working and how well it's going, rather than just my own little nuances that i can pick a part of my own vocals and my own keyboard playing what's your band setup like just so people know kind of how many instruments you're working with or or like what your usual set is like yeah so it it kind of varies like i've done it basically ranges between my me by myself and a four-man setup so at our full force uh it's usually myself playing keys and singing and then i have a sax player mm-hmm. uh who's brad pringle usually and then i have a guitarist or bass player um he usually plays guitar on certain songs and then they'll switch over to bass for other songs mm-hmm. and then i have a dj who plays tracks that's cool so the dj is kind of like your drummer basically yeah, yeah he takes the spot like most of the tracks have the percussion all programmed into them so that's cool something i'm curious about and we're kind of going to transition into the next kind of big topic is your choice in degrees when it comes to fine you said finance and marketing yep um i found that really interesting especially the finance part and you've kind of alluded to it in the beginning that you wanted to be a little bit more involved when it comes to being a part of the music industry having that type of knowledge um finance sounds like a very left brain analytical type of skill and you obviously have like the music creative, you know, right brain type of skill as well. What made you gravitate towards the world of finance? Uh, well, I've always like, I've always been pretty good with numbers. Like I've, I was always good at math in school. Uh, so I knew I could do it. Um, but when I went into college, I didn't, I didn't have a major picked out. I just knew I wanted to do something in business just because I love business that I'm involved in. So like I just, and I'm in the music business. So I just love the world of business, but uh, I was kind of narrowing down like where I wanted to go. And I was thinking like, A, what could be, what do I find interesting? What's most beneficial to me in music? And if music, if something were to work, not work out with music, what would I want to be doing? You know? Okay. Um, So outside of the family business, obviously like that would be my number one choice, but I, my uncle is actually a financial advisor. So he kind of like does portfolios and stuff. And I was never got into that, like investing and stuff, but it is always interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'll try the finance route. And uh, I, so I talked to him a lot about it and he explained a lot what he does. And I was like, yeah, I could see myself enjoying that if, uh, 
as kind of like a fallback option. And, you know, it's always good to know, like, to me, like, I just want to know, like, what to do with my money in general, you know, and understand the lingo and the ins and outs of investing and things like that. So it's something I've always been interested in. And uh, I knew I could do it with the numbers, like I have those skills in the past. So, gotcha. Yeah. If you were to break down finance to someone who might not understand it, like myself or something, how would you break it down as far as like, is it just straight up budgets or you'd like you said, investing or is it all of it? Is it, does it encompass all of it or is there specifics? So the major, the finance major in general is very broad. Like there's, you have like, they call it corporate finance, which is where you're working for a company, working on budgeting and costs and, you know, just looking at profit and loss and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, figuring out like there's positions called like buyers where you just, your only job for the company is to deal with, if deal with different people selling you um, supplies and how you can lower those costs and things like that. Uh, So that's corporate finance. And I never was interested in corporate finance. Like the the first finance class I took uh, once I declared it, my major was corporate finance. And I was like, Oh man, this is not that fun. (laughs) Um, It's very dry, (laughs) right? It is. Yeah. Like for me, like people, you know, there's people who like it and they find it interesting, but for me, it was never why I wanted to get into finance was, uh, for that reason, but it's good. You know, it's good information to know, especially for the family business. So it was definitely helpful, but, but, and then the other side, uh, is the investing side, uh, which comes down to like how to manage your portfolio, uh, how to manage other people's portfolio based on, you know, how they want to live their like how much risk they want to take on, Uh, and you know, when they want, like if they want to retire in 30 years or if they're trying to invest right now to buy a house in five years, like how to navigate that. So it's, it's very all encompassing. And then also like real estate kind of falls under that category. Like there was some real estate classes that Oakland offered in the finance major too. So it's, it's a pretty all encompassing, uh, thing. And most from what I've heard, I mean, obviously I I work at the family business, so I didn't really go into the job field for finance, but from what I heard is like the college is there to provide you with an understanding of what finance is and how the finance field operates. And then you get into a job and then you kind of narrow in and, you know, focus on either like an element of corporate finance or an element of investing. Okay. What's your favorite part about it? I think to me it was like the investing because I love I love that strategizing aspect of it. Like Mm. there's just an endless world of possibilities of what you can do to get where you need to be. But, and there's just so many moving parts to it that it keeps you on your toes and it it stays interesting. You know, like there's, it's never easy to do, which is fun for me. You know, like I like that constant challenge. And are you, um, are you referring to stocks investing? Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. So like portfolio with like stocks, bonds, and then, um, other different financial assets, real estate, things like that. And so we kind of learned a lot of like the pros and cons of each different type of financial assets, uh, like whether it be stocks or bonds or whatever. Mm. And, uh, but there's just, it's an endless way that you can combine your investments, uh, to get, the return that you want. So it's, it's very interesting. It's a completely different language and world. Like I've watched so many YouTube explainer videos on how (laughs) it works and I'm still confused. Yeah. I went to school for, for four years and I'm still confused. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. That's (laughs) hilarious. And, and how have you been kind of implementing that when it comes to your music as, as someone who's kind of trying to make a living out of music 
you obviously want to be, you know, smart with the investments that you're making in that realm. How involved are you when it comes to the money in your music? Are you the managing yourself or do you have a team? Um, a lot of, I mean, as far as like investing in stocks and stuff go, I mean, that's not something that I'm really into at this time, just because pretty much all the money I have goes to student loans or, or uh, sure. my music, you know? Right. So yeah. for me, it's like the biggest thing is budgeting. Like that was uh, even more than my finance classes, just being a broke college kid taught me budgeting better than anything. Like I just realized <laughs> yeah. the value of like a $2 bottle of water is like something I really got to watch. Like, you know, like stuff like that and eating out more than a few times a week like that. Managing my own personal finance uh, has allowed me more, a lot more financial freedom to be able to pay for good studio time and, you know, pay for like Facebook ads and, you know, Spotify playlist placements and things like that. Mm. So it's mostly, it's understanding how to manage my own money so that I have more money that I can invest into music, you know? How important is kind of those Spotify placements and Facebook ads in, in these in this time where, you know, Facebook and Instagram, it's very heavily based on commerce, right? It's very, yeah. like you kind of have to pay to play at this point. Um, yeah. How much weight do you put into that? And like, you know, is there a specific percentage that you like to, you know, all the money you make, you're going to go towards investments in the marketing side of it? Is Do you yeah, have a formula so in that or? I don't, but I've, it's, it's honestly been a lot of just exploring for me. Like mm -hmm. uh, I've, you know, I've been on a big push for the Spotify playlist placements. Uh, and, and some of them, like some of them are pay to place and some of them aren't. They just like, if they like your music, they'll sure. add it. Um, so that's an avenue I've been exploring ever since I've been releasing music. Mm -hmm. But, uh, as far as like Facebook and Instagram ads go, like from everything I've seen, I've done a lot of research on it and tried it myself is like, you really, you have to make sure you have a really good piece of content before you pay to advertise it because mm -hmm. there's really no point in, putting money into content that isn't like your best work. So the way that, it, that I've seen it explained and the way that it has worked for me is like, if you have, if you have one piece of content that outperforms your other, your most of your other content, you know, then that's where you put your money into promoting uh, and getting it out there because that's, it's already working so that it's going to catch more people. Whereas if you something have something that didn't really catch people's attention, putting it in front of more people is not going to make more people pay attention to it because it's just not a strong piece of content. But right. that was like a big learning curve for me. But as far as like just the budgeting goes, that's kind of like an ever going process of trial and error uh, for me. Gotcha. How, how big is your team right now currently? Is, is it like a small team or is it just you? Are you doing everything booking from, from, um, honestly, so, so we have the small label that we still work with, which is, uh, which is the songwriter and the attorney who I work with. So they are kind of responsible for just a lot of like still development and giving me a lot of feedback on stuff and helping me grow and, uh, find certain opportunities. But as far as like the day to day, like writing, um, you know, performing things like that, uh, working on videos, as you know, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. um, a lot of it is, comes from me and my mom actually helps me out a lot. Uh, shouts out to my mom, Jackie Wallace, but she helps me a lot with like, she helps me find different like podcasts that I can get on, uh, you know, different interviews, articles, stuff like that, that I can uh, get involved in. So she helps me out a lot, uh, with that kind of stuff. And then I also work with, uh, a label out of Detroit called all the way free. And so they, helped me out a lot too, um, in finding, you know, different opportunities. And we kind of started working with them pretty recently. Yeah. 
Uh, so they help me out too, but most of it is uh, me and my mom doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff. It's a family business. It is. And if we, you know, when we like sit down for family dinner, it's like we have like we go through so many different conversations between like my music and then talking about the pizzeria and then we're just talking about like how everybody's day went. Like it's, it's a very yeah. strange dynamic. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's amazing. It's amazing to hear how involved you are with everything. I, I feel, you know, it's a hard balance to have to carry as an artist, right? As you were mentioning to me recently, we, we actually recorded a music video with you. Yeah. Um, you were, you were telling me that sometimes you just want to focus on being the artist. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of artists can feel that way where we've heard it time and time again that artists get into these bad deals because they're not paying attention or like, yeah. Um, so it, it's really cool that you have one family involved that, that has your best interest. I mean, I know, I know a lot of times that goes South. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> it's not the case for you here, but like just you, you're pretty diverse in that you understand the big picture and it's not just, it's not just all art for art's sakes. You have the business side, yeah. you have the marketing side, you have the performance side, you you try to make yourself well-rounded in that matter. So that's really cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's, like I said, you know, it's something I'm still working on and I'll probably be working on until the day I die. But yeah. there's, you know, there's always a new angle to be learned and that's, and I'm always trying to find it. Yeah. So speaking of family business, you, you made a perfect segue when you shouted out your mom. <laughs> yeah, perfect. You know, this podcast is working out perfectly. It was better I than know. I envisioned. I'm like, how am I going to make this work? <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the important stuff, pizza. Yeah, right. That's the, what we're all here for. The most important. So tell me about the restaurant. You, you said, What's the restaurant called? It's called The Parlor. Very the parlor. clever name. It's, uh, yeah, P-A-R-L-O-U-R in Hadley, Michigan. Gotcha. And it's pizza and ice cream all year round? Yep. Yep, we usually keep uh, a few. We'll keep like eight flavors around through the winter time because obviously it's not the super busy ice cream season. But and it's actually kind of funny because you were we were talking before about how everything's connected and intertwined. But yeah. uh, the whole interior, which we don't have, we're not allowing customers in right now. We're doing curbside pickup only because of the pandemic. Yeah. But uh, the whole interior is all music themed. Like there's music paraphernalia everywhere, and there's mm. a community piano in there. So it's it's definitely all interconnected. Was that inspired by you and your sister or are your parents also music uh They're musicians? not like they're not musicians but they've always loved music. Like my okay. they listen to music all the time. My mom has always been obsessed with the music industry ever since my sister got into it and she kind of started learning more about it. Yeah. She just loves it. Like she loves uh talking to different artists and listening to different watching different people perform and so yeah, they've been obsessed with music. That's cool. So how how long have you guys had the restaurant? Yeah, so uh, so my mom originally opened the business in the 90s, uh, in like the mid, early mid 90s, as just an ice cream and coffee shop. And then we sold the business, but we still own the building uh, a little bit after she had me, uh, after I was born in 98. So we sold the business, I still had the building. And then when the economy kind of took a downturn in uh, in 2007, 2008, the other business uh, went out of business and they didn't want it anymore. And my dad happened to get laid off from his job at the same time. And so obviously it was like impossible to find a job at that time. So he was like, you know what, let me just, let's just open the business and see, you know, see what happens. So we reopened in 2008 as a pizza and ice cream shop. And uh, yeah, we've been running it ever since. Oh, wow. 
So it was almost like this place of like, okay, we got to do something about this because your your father got laid off and then it was like trying to find the next thing. Yeah. I mean, just wow. find something, you know, at that time. And it was a, it was a hard time for everybody, you know, sure. and, and there weren't too many jobs getting handed out. And he, he, he was with the company for, for like 20 years. So he was like, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to find something else. And then we kind of, the opportunity kind of fell in our lap at the same time to, uh, we had the building. So all we had to do was, you know, fix it up a little bit and, uh, get the equipment and stuff. So we just, uh, they kind of went out. I say we, I was like nine, <laughs> but we kind of went out on, they went out on a limb and we're like, let's try it. Let's open the business. And then now it's like 12 years strong. So, yeah. So at nine years old, what kind of roles did you play at that time? Oh, well, my, so since my mom was still working her job, she had like the traditional nine to five type of schedule, mm -hmm. which at that time was more like eight to seven kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but my, so then my dad was working evenings here. So I actually like pushed my bus schedule. So I'd get dropped off here and just like hang out here after school. Cause nobody was home. Yeah. Uh, which was actually kind of fun. I, I loved it. Like from the minute we got, I was like, this is a dream come true. Like we got ice cream, we got pizza. This is the best. <laughs> And uh, so I would just like, I would pretend like I thought I was working out, tell everybody I had a job at school and stuff because I thought it was super cool. But That's realistically, awesome. all I did, yeah, I would just like stock the straws and like fill up the napkin holders and like stuff like that. Like I did like the most basic work that anybody could do. And my dad just did it just to entertain me after school. But That's funny. <laughs> but I'm, guessing, a lot of fun. I'm guessing your sister worked there too? Yep. Yeah. But I have another sister too uh, oh, okay. she's not in music yeah but she's so she's the middle sister between i'm the youngest and then my singer sister is the oldest and okay. then my middle sister olivia is uh so she worked here too and they were in high school uh, at the time so yeah they worked here a little more seriously they actually knew what they were doing but yeah i was always wondering like when you have like a family restaurant like that there has to be a point when you get a little older where it feels like it, it's kind of like chores <laughs> does it did it ever feel like that to you guys i mean a little bit especially like when i was in high school and uh, -huh. uh you know i didn't really like i i still have really have never had like a quote-unquote real job like i'd never like i'd never worked for anybody else just because like i've never had a problem working here you know sure, right. i love it so much so yeah. uh but you know really kind of like as i grew up and was understanding what it was like to really have a job and have real responsibilities uh with things like that um, kind of like in early high school and in late middle school. And I started taking on actual, like an actual role here as an employee. Uh, it was kind of hard to learn. I was like, ugh, you know, I got to work tonight. And I'd be like, mom, yeah. do I have to go to work? And she's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes, you <laughs> know, <Yeah. laughs> but now it's, it, we keep it, we somehow keep it very separate from like our family stuff where like, I, I actually love, I love working in, uh, you know, I, we have fun and stuff. And then doing chores at home definitely feels like doing chores at home. <laughs> right. Definitely. And, and what, what did you do once you started becoming more of like a regular employee there? Uh, were you more in the kitchen? Were you more in the serving side of things, front of house? Yeah. So the first thing I learned was how to do, how to use the cash register, okay. which we still have the same cash register for when we opened. It's like a million years old. So it's <laughs> wow. like, it's not too complex, but, yeah. uh, um, that was like the first thing. And I like begged my dad to teach me how to use it. And he was like, you know, you're too young to like be messing with people's money. And I was like, no, I can do it. I promise. And yeah. so he finally taught me how to use it. And then that was like my job for a while. And then I, I learned to scoop the ice cream too. And I didn't really grow until like 10th grade. So I like, I like my feet would leave the ground quite a bit when I would try to get to like the bottom of the ice cream <laughs> barrels, you know, like I'd be like yeah. leaning over into the cooler. But, uh, 
but yeah so that was the first thing was like really learning the uh the register and the ice cream and then i would just like stock and do prep work for the first few years and then i kind of started getting into more of the pizza stuff and 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 what's your favorite part about the restaurant is it the ice cream the pizza or the cash (laughs) registers uh as far as like what like the job of like which job job to do right yeah so i like don't say don't say dishwashing because i know you're lying (laughs) i was a dishwasher so (laughs) it was not i call it quality assurance (laughs) which is basically just where you try all the food that's my favorite okay but uh no but i love i love uh running the shift so i recently just like a couple um couple weeks ago maybe a month ago now uh took over as co-manager so me and uh my I basically call my brother-in-law, but my sister's longtime boyfriend, David, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are co-managers now of the, uh, of the pizzeria. So for me, my favorite thing is running the shifts. Like I like where you make the pizzas the whole night and you pretty much just like de- delegate the whole day and make sure everything runs smoothly. Like I love, cause it's always a challenge and I, I love that. And, uh, I love having that responsibility. So you make the pizzas? Oh yeah. Okay. So you make the pizza that's considered running the shift. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, like, the person running the shift doesn't always make pizzas, but usually, like, the people, only the leads are trained to make the pizzas. Like, you gotta have a special, you gotta have the special, the special love to put into it to be able to make the pizzas. Gotcha. Is it, like, a family recipe, or? So, we make all the sauce, like, we make all our dough, and we make all our sauce from scratch, and everything's made in, like, huge batches. Mm -hmm. So, by the time you get to, like, making the pizzas, it's pretty much just, like, assembling it, like, all the, all the, like, the fancy stuff as far as spices is already mixed into it mm. um so it's just a matter of like keeping the portions right you know and uh and making sure you're getting it done quick so that people and, aren't waiting too long and who holds the secret to those recipes <laughs> um we actually have them we have them all written out up here so they're not like too secretive okay. uh but there's certain there's certain recipes we don't let everybody like we don't let everybody make sauce like usually it's just the leads we actually portion out all the spices ahead of time okay. so that like the people making the sauce uh, just pour the spices in and they don't exactly know like the portions of which uh, the spice cups contain contain everything. So we kind of keep that on the down low. Is there a specific type of pizza style that you guys specialize in? Like I know there's the New York style, Chicago style, Detroit style. Yeah, so we're not like... We definitely don't specialize in deep dish. Okay, uh, That's not our strong suit, but it's it's like a pretty traditional... Uh, it's not New York style. I wouldn't even say it's Detroit style. It's just a pretty traditional, like a thinner crust okay. pizza, I would say. Do you have a preference, you you personally, of like what type of pizza oh, you prefer? Honestly, like this is going to sound very biased, but I have never in the continental United States had a, a pizza that I genuinely liked more than our pizza. Like oh. and I, I try pizza everywhere I go, you know, like unless it's like a real unique pizza, like I've had some really good like margarita pizzas some places and things like that. Yeah. But like straight up, just like a pepperoni pizza, I don't think there's I've haven't had any place yet that can compete with us. Those are strong words, John Paul. Yeah, yeah. No, and I and I say them confidently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and what <laughs> why, like what do you look for? What 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 is it in the man, it'd be hard to not to always be judging pizza. So you coming <laughs> you coming from a restaurant background who owns a pizza shop. I would imagine that every time you have pizza, there's like this, it's kind of like for me as a musician or as like a 
like an audio guy when you go to a concert or something yeah. you're always looking at what do they got working what are they working yeah. with it's <laughs> yeah. probably the same for you so what are you looking for what do you consider what does john paul wallace consider the perfect slice of pizza uh to me like the crust definitely makes a huge impact uh but for me the most important thing two most important things i would say is the sauce which to me is i think it's number one like the sauce so- i like a spicier like something with a little bit of kick to it so mm-hmm. if the sauce is like bland or just kind of like blank tomato paste like that just does not do it for me and then i also i don't like a super greasy pepperoni pizza you know what i mean like I where it's like yeah. you know their plates soaked and that's just that's just not the move now me. is that the pepperoni choice is that what causes the grease or is it the amount of cheese uh it's both yeah they okay. both definitely play a role um and i think i think also kind of the contaminants of the dough kind of play a little bit of a role with that too because the dough can get greasy what do you mean contaminants like like how you make it how much yeast you use when you make the dough like uh the actual recipe for the dough gotcha okay and and what makes your pizza the best pizza to me it's the sauce like i just my my dad made the created the sauce recipe you know, 12 years ago, it's not been touched since and it just works. Like I, I, I've not had a sauce that I thought was better than ours. So it tastes the same every single time. Oh yeah. Huh. So you said it's a little spicier. I'm going to have to see, like put some spice in my like pizza sauce or something. Yeah. It's got, it's got a little kick to it. We, I actually lied. We, we did adjust it because we, there were a few complaints early on. I forgot about this, that it was too spicy. And so we did have to knock off uh, a little bit of the heat, but yeah, it's still got some kick to it. It's not even like noticeable kick, but it's just like, it's just, it's so good. Mm. Man, I'm going to have to try that one day. <laughs> um, I'll hook you up. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> with you being both kind of analytical and creative, where do you see pizza? <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> do you like that the build up where do you see yeah, right <laughs> where do you see pizza is it something that you make by feel or is it something that's more precise and like chemistry i think it's a little bit of both like i i have not super i was never super involved in like the recipes honestly my sister rocky she is like the recipe guru like she is always coming up with new stuff and mm-hmm. that's like that's really where she excels but I think, um, you know, I mean, obviously everything's portion control, you know, like you can't have too much of anything. So yeah. from that aspect, it's very analytical and, and you want each pizza while it's, they're all made from scratch, you still want there to be an element of consistency to it, you know? So that's that side of it's analytical, but there's also like a creative side of being able to branch out and like try different combinations of toppings. And like we do mm-hmm. a pizza of the month, which is just like, this real weird pizza combination that changes every month. This month we're doing a tater tot pizza and uh, over oh, the summer. I, oh yeah, dude, it's so good. But over the summer we do a lemon chicken pizza, which is like pretty out there, but it, they're, they all are so good. But it's that's where kind of the creativity comes in and just being able to try new stuff. That's kind of cool. So you, you guys have the traditional, but then you're also willing to like do that tater tot yeah, pizza. Yeah, branch out a little bit. What, yeah. What's like the wildest one that actually works really well? that you've had oh that's a good one that's a good question um oh you know what we did a cheesy potato pizza a while ago uh and actually like people loved it it was just like <laughs> i think it was just cheesy potatoes onions and bacon and then like some seasonings and were stuff. they but running a marathon after 
<laughs> it was like a heart attack waiting it's to like, happen, but people loved it, man. Yeah, let me put some more carbs on that pizza, please. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That, I mean, that's I would have never thought of adding potatoes to the pizza. I mean, I, I remember yeah. I, I have seen like a mac and cheese pizza where people put like yeah macaroni and cheese. So, are you? Do you have any like pizza no nos? Like, I know some people just like no pineapple, or, or are you guys <laughs> open to? anything well me yeah we ca- i mean we carry everything we don't carry anchovies like that's the one thing like we just that's just like it sounds disgusting nobody <laughs> wants any part of that but um we carry everything other than that uh but for me personally i cannot put olives on a pizza like I, I i love this interview is really over care- <laughs> this is <laughs> done. done here thanks for coming uh i'll call you in the morning right. um <laughs> so no olives. no but no olives for me i love like Outside of pizza, I love green olives. Like, I'll eat them plain or I'll stuff them with blue cheese or whatever. I love them. Yeah. But I just cannot bring myself to put olives on a pizza. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Other than that, though, I'm pretty Tater I'm pretty tot good with pizza everything. over olives. Yeah. I like olives oh. in pizza. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan, man. I can't do it. Yeah. What? What's your... Let's end on this kind of... This last pizza question. What's your... All right. What's, like, the, the go-to... Your last pizza of your life (laughs) like what's the ultimate pizza for you all right are you ready for this yeah let's go for it so we got so first of all i like on a thin crust okay all right that's key uh i do a little heavy on the sauce a little light on the cheese okay okay i go pepperoni mushrooms green peppers italian sausage um bacon obviously and then I throw some extra heat on there. We have a spice called Ninja Number Eight, and uh, it's just got some heat to it. And <laughs> Ninja some really good Number flavor. Eight. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's dude. It's so good. But you sprinkle some of that on there. Maybe throw a little garlic and basil, and then once it comes out, throw some Parmesan over the whole thing. It's just it never misses. Wow. So you have like a good amount of toppings. I I would be more oh, of yeah. like. Mine would be like a pesto pizza. Oh yeah. Just like a we mar- actually just did that. That was uh, last month's pizza of the month was pesto pizza. Yeah. Basically like a margarita with pesto yep. on it. That's like oh, yeah. that's or just like look. the pepperoni. It that's Oh yeah. That's always just good. Yeah, and we we the, like, we laugh about that a lot cuz like we never almost never have a straight up pepperoni pizza because like it's just like you forget it even exists until mm-hmm. you go to like until like if we have like an event or something. Yeah. Like if I'm ever working an event where we're selling pizza by the slice and I'm hungry, then I'll just like grab a slice of pepperoni. I'm like, man, this is so good. Like you just can't go wrong with the pepperoni. Totally. I, I would say, but I probably took 10 years off of like uh, thinking about pepperoni pizza because like in <laughs> high school, you know, you get the little Caesars. Yeah. Everybody has a pizza party and it's always pepperoni. Right. So you take like some time off of it because you got so sick of it. But now like my wife and I kind of our go to is like that nostalgic pepperoni pizza. Yeah. It's a classic, man. You can't beat it. Nice. So let's tie it all together. Every every interview that I do, I ask a guest this and maybe we could tie it all into like everything that we talked about when it comes to music, finance and your family business of a pizza shop. What is something that you're constantly working on to get better at? And is there a certain skill that you're trying to keep getting better at when it comes to all three of those th- things? Um, I would say that's a really good question. Um, like what's one that translates to all of it? I would think for me it's, it's uh, time management. Okay. You know, like I, I think it's just being more disciplined with myself and like, you know, packing my days and getting as much stuff done and you know 
and sleeping in a matter of 24 hours as much mm. as I can. You know, that like for me, that's like as like with since I was in college, since I was in high school, that's just something I've always struggled with uh, is just not getting enough done and spending my time as well as I can. I think that's something I'm constantly trying to work on. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I think that translates to anybody's um, pursuit or passion or even job. Like that time management is so important for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's it's pretty cool to get to know this side of you. And I, I, <laughs> I really hope your fans who only know your music enjoy this part too. Because I, I've always liked learning about artists' other interests. I yeah. Think, I think it makes like a whole, like a, a more complete package, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and those, uh, when you asked me like, you know, what else do you do besides music? I was like, I don't really know. And I was like, well, I, I do have a job and then, and then I'm kind of like really involved in it. Yeah. And then you were like, oh yeah. So I was like, oh, all right, cool. I've never really talked about this like that. So it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most people brush it aside and, and that's what yeah. my, my goal is for this thing is trying to find like those odd things that people don't think is a craft. I think sometimes craft, the word craft gets a little hoity-toity, like, oh, it's a craft. Like, you can only be, yeah. like, a certain thing. But, like, there's crafts to everything. Like, there's a level of discipline and skill to everything. And I think as as high level as your craft is in music, something about the restaurant and your finance degree, it all plays a factor within that. You know, yeah. whether you, your main goal is music, obviously, like, you want that to work out. It's really interesting to hear your mentality when it comes to restaurant ice cream pizza and finance and it somehow work it somehow ties in it really does i love that man that's such it's such a unique take i I really that's 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 a great that's a great take yeah it's it's super fun and i I really hope that it's a fun sneak peek uh into your life and for your fans to get to know you a little bit more so um before we go can you share how people can find you and also what people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so I uh, I'm on all social media platforms, uh, Facebook. My Facebook is at John Paul Wallace official, mm-hmm. uh, and then Instagram, Twitter, TikTok is all at John Paul Wallace. And that's John with J O N, right? Yes, good call. Yeah, J O N P A U L, and then W A L L A C E uh, for John Paul Wallace. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm on LinkedIn too. Even though I haven't checked in a minute, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah got, got, with that finance degree, got to be on LinkedIn. Yep. So, uh, yeah, but you can find me anywhere. And then I also have music on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can find music, you can find mine, uh, which is, again, just John Paul Wallace. Uh, and then on the lookout, I have, I, I should be having another single coming out uh, probably somewhere in like early December. Uh, and then I have a new, new single uh, that is still being mixed and stuff that I actually just cut the music video for with you, Tito and Ooh. Robbie over at Dogtown. So that one's called Heartbeat. I can't wait uh, for that so, one. Yeah, I'm really excited for that too. So uh, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that early 2021. Yeah, dude, that song was stuck in my head the next day because we like played <laughs> it over and over. <laughs> That's a good right. thing. It's catchy. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. Yeah. So awesome. John Paul, thank you so much for uh, coming on, man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. It was. All right. With that, we're signing off. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Craft Talk. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.